So good morning everybody, good morning to everybody on Zoom. It's great to be with you, what a service so far. I want to talk to you today about a subject that is very hard to talk about because um, it affects every single one of us and it is, it strikes at the core and it really challenges us. I want to talk to you about pride. Jesus Christ is Lord. We've just sang repeatedly, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. God is love, but God will not be mocked. And pride mocks God. So it's a really hard message to bring you in a way because with every word that I've written over the past few weeks in in the lead up to this, the enemy has screamed hypocrite. So you'll have to just bear with me on that because... I know that this is a message to all of us. Um, you know, there's been distractions, there's been complications, there's been um, extra workload, there's been all sorts of things that have tried to disrupt me preparing this. And I, it's not my word, but I really felt strongly that the Lord wants me to bring this. Um, imperfect as it may be, I think it's really important. Now, this could be a series in itself. The more I have tapped into this subject, the more it has just blown wide open and this could be a book in itself. It is just enormous and it is, it's serious. But it's not all doom and gloom. There is a message of hope at the end, of course. We have a saviour who died on the cross, as we've heard, and Vienna didn't know what I was going to preach on today and she hadn't heard my sermon, so this is amazing how it's tied in. But it is a deep sickness of the human condition that we as Christians really need to make, need to make sure that we've got to grips with it. If you can turn with your Bibles to me, oh, turn with me to your Bibles, don't turn to me, turn to your Bible. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 8, please. Now, I'm a big fan of doing this anyway, but Mike Davis did it last week. So if you're able to, because this is the word of God himself, if you could stand for the word, I'd be grateful. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since, they have, since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. 
He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plough his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest men and your, young, and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants and you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you've chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we may also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Please be seated. Thank you, folks. I've called this a proud king for a proud people. And when you look back on the Old Testament and all the mistakes that people made and the Israelites made and how they fell foul of their own decisions and their lack of ability to follow the Lord. You look back and you think, oh, they didn't get it. You know? But actually, what is different about so many people today? So this is as relevant a word then as it is now, or now as it, as it was then. So Lord, I just pray now, help me to bring this word. It's not comfortable. It's not easy. But Lord, pride is a sin that you despise. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. Lord, give me the unction, give me the words. Give me the fear and trembling that is necessary to bring this word. And I ask you, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you just be the searchlight and touch us in our hearts if there's things that you're putting your finger on as we've already heard this morning completely independently of anybody knowing what I was um, preaching around Lord I pray that if you have something to put your finger on you would make us open to receiving that and to breaking that Lord and to removing that from us that we may be free in Jesus name Amen All sin is rooted in pride. It's the oldest sin. It is rejection of God and it is man saying, I know better. There are a few pages in the Bible, I would imagine, where you can't detect it, where you can't pick up on it being manifested somewhere. It is the epitome of the Antichrist spirit that is at work today in this world. You look back at the fall, Isaiah 14 speaks about Lucifer. Now, Lucifer was beautiful. And he said, For you, Lucifer, have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, we say, I wouldn't dream of that. 
I wouldn't dream of saying I will be like the Most High. But every time we disobey God, or every time we give in to the pressures of our flesh over what the Holy Spirit is prompting us, that is us saying, I will be like the Most High because I will decide what's right and what's wrong. I will decide what I can do and what I can't do. It's a craving for superiority. It's saying that we know better. We don't. Pride is rebellion, and as the Bible says so clearly, and this has never ceased to have an impact on me, rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. So we see occultism, and we see witchcraft, and we see you know, indulgence in, in real darkness, and we say, well, that's witchcraft. We're not going anywhere near that. Well, if we rebel... Rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. So, like I say, it's a heavy word today, but be assured that we, we have a hope that is steadfast and sure, who has released us from this if we repent, who we, we, we let it go. I mean, we see it all the way through the Bible. This is not just in, well, I'm going to come on to Saul in a second, because Saul is the king that the Israelites demanded, or that God gave them. Um, but, you know, we see it Herod. We see it in Nebuchadnezzar. We see it at work in the Garden of Gethsemane, in the Pharisees. I could go on, in the disciples. But right from the beginning, Satan knew that having fallen, he knew that he had a lot of work to do to elevate himself or try and elevate himself above God. So he appealed to human nature. He sidled up to Eve and the fear of God at that moment either left her or she chose not to cling to. And this is the same for us. Every time we're tempted in a pride context, the fear of God leaves us, or it doesn't leave us, but we choose not to employ it. Proverbs 9 verse 10 in the Amplified says, the reverent fear of God, of the Lord, that is, worshipping him and regarding him as truly awesome is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. We shorten it often in other versions to the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it says it's its starting point and its essence and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. The same in the wilderness. It's mirrored in the Garden of Eden. Satan had the temerity to go to Jesus and appeal to his pride, but thank God we have a pure and spotless lamb, lamb in whom no sin was found that he was able to say, you know, get behind me and quote the scripture back at him. So it, it's, pride is the opposite of the fear of the Lord. Rebellion, it's my truth, any truth will do, it's just so long as what suits me, you know. We see confusion reigning in this world today. So back to Samuel 1 8. Saul was the king who um, was chosen by the Lord through a process, um, but was the king that the Israelites had demanded. So up until that point, Almighty God had been their king, and they had said, we don't want this anymore. We want to follow a human. Why? Because all the other nations have got a king like that, and we want one of those. Everybody else around me has got a car like that. I want one of those. Everybody else around me has got a job like that, or a position like that, or money like that, or an attitude like that, or a swagger like that, or followers like that. I want some of that. Never mind what you've got for me, Lord. That's what I want. So King God gave to Israel what they demanded. You asked for it, you got it. But he also told them what they were going to get. It wasn't going to be plain sailing. Saul was handsome, he was a great warrior, there's no doubt about it, he had attributes of a king, but he was a fallen human being, 
a flawed character. And what became a murderous campaign against David started with what we might call soft sins. Vain, disobedient, a bit of bitterness creeping in, suspicious, people-pleasing. But that became disobedience, lack of repentance. He became an idolater. He consulted mediums, things that would normally like horrify us. But actually, the whole package was what horrified the Lord, not just what we would call the serious things. Selfishly ambitious, lacked humility. He was arrogant, he was scheming, he was envious, he was jealous. And there's a difference between envious, envy and jealousy, and both are lethal. He was stubborn. He wore masks. And again, we look back on the Old Testament, we think, what a terrible man. And then we look in the mirror of the word of God. And I have been disgusted with myself the way I've been reflected in so much of this um, preparation because I've just thought, if I don't deal with this, it will just sit there silently. It'll just sit on my shoulder and just let me carry on just setting traps for myself. Ten Commandments. Every single one of the Ten Commandments is a breaking. It, or breaking of the Ten Commandments is, is pride. No other gods before me. Pride. You shall have no idols. Pride. You shall not take the name of the Lord, in, name of the, the Lord your God in vain. Pride. You shall keep the Sabbath holy. Pride. You shall honour your father and mother. If you don't, it's pride. You shall not commit murder. Obviously pride. Adultery. Pride. Stealing. Pride. False witness. Pride. Covet, pride. Now I've, I've summarised that quickly because there's a bit to get through. But everything is linked to pride and it is lethal and we have to die to ourselves daily. So, before we get on to the, the hope and like the, you know, the, 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 the lighter side of this, there are so many things that sometimes we don't realise are pride that actually we need to deal with our heart. Often something like self-loathing loathing, or false humility or gossip or you know, righteous anger or um, you know, um, just greed or a, or a little bit of lusting after the world's things. We can often excuse that and we can, we can, we can explain that away. But it's that sort of thing that the drip, 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 drip suddenly becomes a full tank without it being dealt with. Look at David in Bathsheba. It just started with a look. He just spotted her out the corner of her eye. Didn't go, look, didn't go looking for it. He just spotted her out the corner of his eye. And that ended up in the murder of Uriah. But nothing is hidden from God. Not what we read. Not what we watch. Not what we listen to. Not the conversations we have. Not the thoughts we have. There's a story I came across the other day that, that, if I'm honest, I hadn't really noticed before. Jeroboam had a sick son and he sent his wife in disguise to Ahijah to inquire. So he sent her in disguise and en route, the Lord said to Ahijah, here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. So thus and thus you will say to her, for it will be when she comes in, she will pretend to be another woman. And so it was. Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps, and she came through the door. And he said, and this is 
Amazing. Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. Straight away. No messing about. God gives her the exact details of what is hidden. I know of a pastor, and I'll keep this um, sort of relatively vague, but I do know of a pastor who was, a, was not aware of some considerable unrighteousness going on in a group. And the Lord gave him a very specific dream one night. Individual or individuals were confronted and confessed straight away. So don't think, the point is the enemy will tell you, you're not gonna, nobody's going to know about this, this is, just, this is just secret. No, the Lord sees it all. And Proverbs 10.9, we've had 9.10, now 10.9. He who walks in integrity with moral character walks securely, but he who takes a crooked way will be discovered and punished. So this talk is not reserved for terrorists or organized criminals or warmongers or bank robbers. It's for all of us. Saul's fate in the end, this king that loved self-promotion, loved the image that he had with the people, loved the popularity, the praises of man, his fate in the end was he, his head was hung, suspended in the temple of Dagon, into a pagan temple. So this is, I'm not saying we're all going to end up with our heads you know, hanging in the temple of Dagon, but this is how seriously God takes pride. So, how do we combat this? Because you'd feel that it's almost overwhelming. It is such a, an overwhelming sin. It's, 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 it's pervasive the whole time. We kind of need a part two on this, but we don't have time. So the simple thing is, is we look to the cross, we search ourselves, and without the power of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and as we've heard today, gave himself for me. So every sinful thought I have, every proud moment I have, every arrogant moment I have, whilst that would have nailed him to the cross, if I repent, he gives me that forgiveness and I'm washed whiter than snow, hallelujah. Saul and David both fell, but the difference was David had the humility. David knew the true meaning of repentance. And as somebody who spent uh, 20 years of their life thinking I had repented, only when God really encountered me, when I really stripped away the pride and said, I can't do this anymore, did I know the true meaning of repentance by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful to him every day of my life. So, children, I know there's no children's work today, and young people, I want to speak to you, but I just want to say, school, college, the environments that you live in, that is tough, it's hard. But the Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is with you. Okay? So no matter what you see around you, no matter how much you see people bigging themselves up around you or putting other people down or um, you know, uh, getting this great profile, this popularity on social media or dressing in the best clothes or just seeming like they're the popular group, it matters not a whit. Because God sees it all. And he sees you and he sees your heart. And if you cling to him and speak to him and just keep saying, Lord, I give this to you, I promise you. More importantly, he promises you. He will see you through it. He will carry you through it. So I commend you and I take my hat off to you for walking 
you know, the narrow walk through these modern times where pride screams, this is success, this is what it looks like to be popular, this is what, what it looks like to have worth and value and meaning in this world. Just keep clinging to the one who loves you the most. Do not lay treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We as a nation, we as a world, but we as a nation need the fear of God to return to our schools, to our government, to our councils, to our workplaces, to our colleges, to our universities, to our meetings of power. When the fear of the Lord returns, change will happen. It will happen. But without the fear of the Lord, with pride in place, man saying, I know better, I can do this, I'm not interested in what the Lord's got to say. We're on our own in a way. Thank God, as Christians, we ha- we're not. But as a nation, you know, we're in trouble. In China, apparently, in a museum, there's a piece of artwork called America's God. And it's a $1 bill in a frame. And I thought, that's probably not far off. And therefore, is it any wonder the mess that the West is in? Because if we create idols and put them above all, money, power, you know, our own decision making, we're in a lot of trouble because we are not clinging to the one who should be our king. On a more micro level, how do we examine ourselves? How, do, how does pride play out in our day-to-day lives? Just things that we just might not even notice. You're in a supermarket car park. It's full. There's one space left. There's you and another car, and you're both coming from opposite ends. What do you do? <laughs> Thank you, older Paul. <laughs> you're in a lift. The door's open. You've got in. You're in a hurry. You see the button saying close the doors, and you hear footsteps coming outside. What do you do? I know what I've done before. You're filling out an insurance firm form. It's asking you all these difficult questions. You're like, oh, well, if I tweak that a little bit, that would be all right. What do you do? What does pride say? What does God say? You're in a restaurant. You're with some friends. You've got a waitress running around looking after you. Do you look her in the eye? Do you speak to her? Do you engage with her? Or do you just carry on like she's not there and doesn't matter and it's just there to serve you? Here's one. You've got that tasty morsel of gossip. You've got that bit of news. Now, you could say, you could put lipstick on it and say, I'm telling you this in confidence, but, or I'm only telling you this because I want you to pray. Or, uh, look, just between you and me, nobody else needs to know. And then you spill it. Why? Because we like, we like to be the one with the news. We like to be the one delivering first. We like to be the one in the know. Now, often, some, you know, there, there can be occasions where we, um, we have something that confidentially needs to be shared so that we can pray for somebody in a certain situation. But it's about the heart. And if that heart is not 100% stripped of pride, it's gossip. Is there a family member we've not spoken to for a long time? It doesn't matter, necessarily, if we're in the right or the wrong. What efforts have we made to strip our hearts of pride and just at least try. You're standing over here. Somebody that you had a row with last week comes through that door at the beginning of church whilst we're all having our coffee. It's a busy room. There's loads of people you could dash off to and just, ah, let's catch up. And you could avoid that. Or do you go and make that right? 
you've waited for a parcel, courier's not turned up, typical, you say. Always happens to me. What if God asked you to give up something? Something simple. Could be anything. Could be reading, like the newspaper, could be TV, could be phone, could be keeping certain company. How does that make you feel as soon as that suggestion hits? Because it probably hurts quite a bit. I mean, I know there's certain things that sort of like, in the past, God's asked me to give up, and, it's, and I have kicked and screamed. And I'm sure there's going to be things in the future that he's going to strip me off, to refine me, to prune me, refine as fire. But pride screams, no, keep it. It gives you your value, it makes you popular. It gives you something to talk about with your friends. So let's go full circle. Let's finish on a note of hope. On the cross, Jesus Christ conquered sin once and for all. End of. Finished work of Christ is complete and there is no need for that sin to conquer us if we have repented and given our lives to him. Now, we, our salvation is ongoing. We, con- we constantly work that out and we constantly ask the Lord. We, you, know, we you don't just do it once and then that's it for the rest of your life. You constantly have to talk to the Lord and say, take this off me, prune me, deal with me. But thank God because otherwise we'd be on a death sentence. No question. Millions of times over. But if you want a king other than God, take a leaf out of the Israelites' book. Because they asked for it and they got it. If you want riches, if you want status, if you want the praises of man, if you want nice things, if you want likes and want to chase after that, or if you want to be right all the time, or if you want to sort of be the one that always has the news, if you want that king, you'll get it if you ask for it. But you'll cry out. And without repentance in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. So, like I say, let's keep this positive because it's a heavy subject. And we'll, we'll, we'll come to a close and, and um, respond to the Lord. Only, only through the cross of Jesus Christ is that hideous pride forgiven and dealt with. Only through coming to him laying it at his feet and saying, I am sorry, take this off me, deal with it. Is it dealt with? But when it's dealt with, it's dealt with. It is finished, said the Lord. Let's pray together.